from the killing of African Americans, riots, protests, and the pandemic affecting more than 70% of African Americans, the question still reigns, where does Black America go from here? You're watching The Michael Finkley Show. show. Um, today we're talking about something so sensitive, so out there in the world that it's affecting people that look like us that you see on our screen right now. Um, right now we have three gentlemen that are here to share their stories, their experience, and give their input about the state of Black America. Um, so let's just start um, with Avery. Introduce yourself and tell us what you do. Hey, Michael, thank you so much, first and foremost, for inviting me to be a part of this amazing panel, uh, such an awesome platform. I've been following your, your, your story, your, your page for quite some time, and I'm honored and humbled to be a part of it. Uh, my name is Avery Rosser. I am a licensed professional counselor here in the state of Georgia. I own and operate a mental health outpatient private practice in Snellville, where I specialize in child and, child and adolescent counseling, as well as uh, serving the military population. I do work as well with the military population through the Office of Suicide Prevention, through their Veterans and Military Crisis Line. And I am also one of the founding members of the Counseling Brothers of Atlanta. Awesome. Thank you, Avery. Thank you for being on. Ferris. Mike, man, listen, man. Thank you so much, man, for having me on, man. This is such a huge honor okay brother so man listen man You're peace welcome. and blessings to you my guy man it's my brother man um my name is my name is uh terrence tucker uh son of gussie and james tucker the great ones um i am a um oh man mentor you know counselor um but i um but i run uh, uh, uh this let's say this impactful mentoring nonprofit called the Tuck Project, man, where we help young men, you know, we help them see their future. Um, we have been, uh, we've been, you know, making moves since uh, 2016. And uh, it has been one huge, man, blessing, man. My, my young men, listen, man, they, they make me proud every single day. We we actually have five young men leaving next week to go to college. Um, so I'm super happy about that, man. Um, so I'm so thankful to be here because everybody on this call, man, you guys, man, you are nothing but rock stars, man. Um, so listen, man, blesses, man. My guy Jamal here, man, he, he knows that. I, listen, we all look up to him, okay? So, listen, man, thanks again, Mike, man, and let's rock on, brother. Yes, sir. Thank you, Terrence. Yes, sir. Jamal. <laughs> well, good evening, everybody. Good evening, world as well, too. YouTube land, Facebook world, Instagram, everybody out there. Uh, T-Tuck, it's hard to follow up on that one, sir. And, uh, you know, I wore the you know, Alley University just for you, man. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> so, you know, best HBCU in the land, you know, always got to plug that in, you know. That's it. So definitely, uh, definitely want to shout that out, HBUC grad. Uh, but my name is Jamal Stroud, and I'm the founder of Big Homie, Little Homie Mentoring Program. And we work with at-risk boys who are in single-parent homes. And we also have a summer camp as well, too, called Camp Champs. And just basically just trying to turn our campers into the best versions of themselves for the summer. And hopefully that'll go all year round. And I'm a father of two, husband. Um, I'm just a person that's here to work in the community and just try to uplift everybody and work with people. Because I learned in this community that it's better to work with people than try to work alone and try to, you know, tackle everything by yourself. So I'm just honored to be up here. Mike, definitely appreciate you, man. You know, we travel the world together, man. That's it. So definitely appreciate you. And the young man as well, too, man. I'm ready to learn more about you, man. I'm hyped up about it, man. So I know Mike got you on here. I know you're going to be dropping gems. So I'm definitely here to get learn some knowledge, get some tools. You see what kind of shirt he got on? <laughs> oh, okay. I see you. I see you. So definitely, man. So I'm just uh, honored to be here. And um, just ready to do this thing, man. Thank you so much. Yeah. All right. No, thank you all. Thank you all. And each of you have a unique story. So let's get let's get down to it. You've seen in the media where um, the names George, Ahmad, Michael, um, they reign within our minds. And so I feel that George kind of set it off a little bit for us into protesting, into you know, the different things that are happening for Black Lives Matter. Um, what were you all thinking um, when that moment happened to George? What, were, what was going through your mind at the time? Let's start with Avery. Uh, the first thing I thought was, no, not again. Right. Mm. Um, right. You, you, you would think that at some point the mm. world will understand the pain and the suffering that we as black people continue to endure. Mm -hmm. So when I saw that, it, it broke my heart, right? I mm -hmm. sense that oftentimes the more and more we see, we can become numb to it and it doesn't necessarily affect us as much. But for me, it's a soft spot in my heart for it, right? Every time I see something like that, I, I cringe. Um, I'm filled with so many emotions from anger um, to sadness, to grief, to even feeling motivated, to motivated to, okay, I need to do something. What is it that I can do to shed light on this, but also act in a more of a proactive way to create change? So when I, again, when I originally saw it, I was hurt. Yeah. You know, I, I was hurt. How do you feel, Terrence? What was going through your mind? Oh, man, just, you know, here we go again, man. You know, um, this is just something that keeps happening to us with, uh, no, ram with uh, no ramifications, okay? Um, you know, when you're sitting there watching someone, you know, die for eight minutes and 46 seconds, that does something to you. You know what I'm saying? And what does it say about the, um, you know, let's say about the whole police system? You know what I'm saying? Because this this has been happening, right? But the thing is now, now it's being filmed. So what would have happened if it had not been filmed? Right. 
You see what I'm saying? Would we be talking about it? You see? So now, you know, we all know that, you know, you can't change somebody who just wants to be racist, right? Um, but you can change how you govern racism. You see what I'm saying? Mm. And we need to start holding these people accountable. Look, listen, man, you know, listen, my kids, your kids, right, their kids, they will, they will always be racist, always be racist, right? But, man, we have to start worrying about, you know, how we can get these young men to move past racism, okay? Because, listen, you know, Mike, you've experienced it, man. Brother, you have two, man. Jamal, you have two, man. We all have been judged by this right here. We all have, okay? But we are still, what? Successful, okay? So now we have to use, right? We all have voices too, okay? So now we have to do what we have to do to make sure that these young men coming up, right? Jamal, your sons as well, right? Know what to do when they're faced with, you know, those barriers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Will said, Jamal. Um, mine was, I, I really took it personal. Yeah. And with that being said, that could have been me. That could have been you. That could have been anybody, you know, that has the same color skin as us. Just the simple fact that, you know, it was on the you know other side of, you know, of the world. But at the same time, that could have been my son. That could have been my little homies. That could have been anybody that I really come in contact with. So it was like, I started to question myself, am I doing enough? You know, Ooh. just starting to question like, are what we doing, is it truly effective? Am I truly saving a life? Am, am, I, am I worth this, you know, this goal or this challenge and everything of that nature? Because like I tell people, you know, people get accolades and get all of the praise, but at the same time, our boys are dying. Our men are getting enslaved every uh -huh. day. And it's just a simple uh -huh. fact that, you know, we, you know, we here trying to do this, trying to be a spotlight, trying to be a beacon, but are we really truly living up to the task? So that's what I was having doubts in myself, just watching the news and watching, you know, people tear things and protest. Mm -hmm. okay. Little man taking over. Little man right. taking over. <laughs> but listen, uh, um, mm -hmm. you know, when he comes back, but what I did, you know, when this happened, man, um, was set back and learned. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Because sometimes, you know, we don't need to actually talk. We need to, you know, really learn about what's really going on out here. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Because, you know, when that happened, man, my young men called me. They were like, hey, man, we confused. Like, what's going on out here? You know what mm -hmm. I mean? And for the first yeah. time, right, you know, I, I really had no kind of, you know, like, you know, no, uh, let's say, uh, rebuttal. You know what I'm saying? Because my mind was was just simply confused. But what we have to do is make sure that we have those uncomfortable conversations. Yeah. Like, that's so imperative, bro. You know what I'm saying? Like, right now, like, you know, you can march and, you know, you know, but listen, we need to have those uncomfortable conversations right now, man. Definitely, definitely. And with those conversations, we know they're tough, they're rough, but mm -hmm. even in talking and even in marching, do you feel with all of your heart and sending you that this will ever end? 
Anybody? Can I be honest? Yeah. No. Yeah. I'll, and if I may, I'll go even farther with that. Um, I don't think it will. I think racism is, is a generational curse, mm. right? It is something that is passed down, has been passed down from generation to generation and generation. Some father, some mother is teaching their kid to hate people based off the color of their skin right now. Of course. As yeah. long as that's continuing to be taught to kids, this will continue to happen, right? We can implement all sorts of laws or all sorts of governing type of procedures, but what you can't change is a person's heart like that, right? You yeah. know, that is the hardest, I don't say you can't, but that is the hardest thing to get through is a person's heart. When you have hate in your heart, it doesn't mm -hmm. matter what law you have in place. Right. Right? We've yeah. seen that. We continue to see that there is a law, but these people still have so much hate in their heart for, for uh, you know, the black man that the law, they feel that the law doesn't even apply to them. And in a lot of cases, what we've been saying is that it doesn't apply to them, right? <laughs> yeah. You know, none of them are being held accountable. They've been arrested. But what we're seeing is that there's one thing to be arrested, right? To be charged. There's another thing to actually be, uh, to be truly held accountable, right? To truly mm -hmm. been, all right, you're guilty, mm -hmm. right? And that's what we're not seeing. We're not seeing these people truly being held accountable. We're seeing these slap on the wrist. Oh yeah, let's do this. We need to quiet the black folks, right? That's what we're seeing. And that's what's truly getting to me is that we're not, I hear people like, yeah, they're arrested. I'm like, okay, that's cool and well, but I'm ready for them to be to be found guilty. Like that's that's when I'm that's when I have some sense of uh relief. A, a small sense of relief. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Jamal, you wanna add something? Yeah, I, I wanted to add to to the part. Um I had uh one of the one of the little homies uh came up to me and stated that he hated white people and mm -hmm. he hated police. So with that being said, this is a seven-year-old, you know, now he's holding that baggage and holding that hurt just because of what he sees on TV. Mm -hmm. So, and I was trying to explain to him, not all cops are bad. There is a big population that are bad, you know, that's still, you know, getting away with everything and everything. So just trying to teach him that part because I don't want him to hold that hatred in his heart and he run across a cop and say the wrong thing. And guess what? His life is in danger. And he's, you know, another statistic and everything. And then on top of that, with the white people situation, and I was telling him, you know, it's like, like my, like my brother said, um, it's deeply rooted into their heritage. You know, it's been passed down from generation to generation. And we may have, you know, a few generations that may try to break the curse, but it's going to be a big, big task. And I don't want to sound, you know, daunting or sounding negative, but Honestly, I truly don't think it's ever going to get resolved. It's kind of going to be, the way I see it now, it's like, oh, this is a new fad. This is a new trend. Okay, black is in, you know, and everything of that nature, you know. But it's just like a Band-Aid, like a scab, you know. Uh, time as it get old next year, are we still going to keep that energy up and holding people accountable for what they're doing and what they're saying, all of the um, things on social media, are we going to hold them accountable truly, you know, and everything of that nature. So I just don't hope, I hope it don't fade away 
And you know, next year we back in the same situation with somebody else is dying. And honestly, this is going on every day. Honestly, it just so happened to hit the media that hard. And there are so many different names. I was watching BET. They did a really great thing with the, uh, you know, naming everybody that got, you know, fallen to these, you know, impresses and everything of that nature. But there are so many nameless people that's out there that's going through this problem every day throughout um, throughout America. And those are the people that's not even being heard about what's going on, the police brutality, the racism and everything. So it's just, uh, it's, it's scary, honestly. And um, before I got interrupted, my son disconnected me. Um, but basically I was questioning myself on why did I bring my two children into this world, into this hatred world and everything of that nature, because they're gonna grow up and they're gonna be judged by the color of their skin as well too. And it's just like a thing going on and on and on. So it's like, how can we break the curse? How can we truly break the curse? If we can't, how can we make it a little bit better so that my son, your son, your nephew, your friend don't have to go through the same things that we're going through or the same thing that our ancestors didn't have to go through as well too. So it's just, it's it's a wild situation, but like T Tuck said, we gotta have those uncomfortable conversations. You know, it's not gonna be all peaches and cream, dancing and laughing. You know, we gotta get to the work sometime as well too, and that's for all races as well. You know, definitely, yes, sir. You guys link some awesome jewels here, and then also I want I wanted to input also where I think Avery, you said it, um, how it's a generational thing, right? Um, let's look back into history, sixteen nineteen the first slaves came to America, came to this land. Um, before then, you know, we were 200 and some odd years behind the white man already. Three, uh, back in 1863, you know, whatever that looked like, and then moving on towards um, um, segregation, desegregation. So we're always gonna be um, centuries behind that was never designed for us, never designed for us. They always pencil us in. And so when we're in present day and we look at what's happening right now, we're supposed to act. I don't, I don't get it. We act the right way, things still happen. We act the wrong way, things still happen. I just don't get it. I don't, I don't know where, where the line is, especially for people that look like us. I don't know. It's, man, it's, you know, Mike, man, be honest with you, man, you know, man, you know, it's simply just your skin color, man. You know, people would just hate you because of your skin color. They don't know you, you know what I'm saying? Never met you, you know what I mean? Um, you know, but they just don't like, you know, my, my grandparents grew up, um, you know, deep in the woods, man, South Carolina, man. And my grandmother, man, she told me that she could count five times for the KKK wearing crosses in her yard. Okay? For no reason. No reason. For no reason. Right? Yeah. Never knew her. Right? Never met her. You see what I'm saying? There are just some people out here who just will not like you. Mm -hmm. And that's how they were taught to not like you. You know what I mean? Just because of the color of your skin. Now, is it fair? No, it's not fair at all. But don't get it, listen, do not get it, man. Don't get it, you know what I'm saying, twisted. We built this country. Mm -hmm. We built this country, man. And, yeah. you know, we, listen, man, we have some pioneers, man. We, listen, we, we, we divide, okay? 
we are the vibe, okay? Like, when I was growing up, man, you know, you always had the, the you know, white Santa Claus and the white Jesus and, you know, white this. So my mindset was, that's the standard. You know what I'm saying? But when I went to college, man, right, and really started hanging around some black men, strong brothers, you know what I'm saying? My whole mindset changed, bro. You know what I'm saying? Because, you know, you know, where I'm from, you just didn't see white people, right? Because we grew up in what they call, let's say, self-standard condition, okay? We didn't have a lot at all, okay? So, with, so like, when you saw a white man, he, you know, he, you know, might have been a cop most of the time, right? We had, we had no white teachers, okay? No white neighbors. So, like I said, man, when I got to college, my whole mindset, like my, my whole mind state, man, just shifted because what I was taught, and you know, you know, you know what I was, what I was, let's say, exposed to. Okay, and that's what we got to do, man. We we have to show these young men how great they really are. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And I got, can I, can I jump in real quick? Yes, sir. Just to, uh, just to play devil's advocate. Uh, and this is a question that may be a rhetorical question or anybody could jump in on this. How can we, you know, expect other races to treat us correctly when we don't even treat ourselves correctly, such as we black on black crime, gang violence, this and that, killing people. How can we, you know, overcome other, other, you know, situations when we can't even do it in our own communities. Mm -hmm. I'll, I'll jump yes, in sir. on that. I think it's important that we, it's important to know that it's not just black on black crime. There's also white on white crime. There's, you know, every ethnicity or race or uh, cultural demographic have crime against themselves. Right. However, what's being, what's, been largely portrayed in media is the black on black crime. Mm -hmm. When you look at the research, you would see that there is a higher number of white on white crime than it is black on black crime. But mm -hmm. what you're seeing and what's being portrayed in the media is the black on black crime. Who, mm -hmm. Why? Because who controls the media outlet? Right? What is the biggest way to uh, continue to imprison a culture? to imprison a race, right, is to make people afraid of that race, right? So when you look at older films, right, when you look at older films that would show uh, back in the, the early uh, 1900s when they started to do a lot of this cin cinematography, that they would show the black man as this vicious character, right? The, the one that who's, uh, they would show him as far as an animal, right? That was one of the first times when they started depicting the black man as a vicious animal uh, from a media standpoint is through movies, right? Mm -hmm. The show that the black man is this animal that wanted to rape the white women, right? So the media has always, white people have always controlled the media outlets, right? So they, they I don't want to sound as though like I'm against white, I just want to spit facts. And these are hardcore exactly. facts, right? Right. We don't control the media outlets. We don't get to pick and choose what's being portrayed, right? We understand systemic racism. We understand uh, microaggression. We understand that people don't just 
you don't they don't openly just say I'm racist, but they there are ways in which they express it. And that way of expressing it is to show that, oh, it's only black people that are killing black people. No, white people kill white people just like black people kill black people. That's it. Mexican That's people it. kill Mexican people just like black people kill black people. Mm -hmm. The Jews kill Jews just like black people kill black people, white people kill white people. Yep. But again, we are the ones that are depicted as the violent people, right? Which we've always been depicted that way, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So we have to always be mindful of that. Like, yeah, I agree, right? We have to, we have to get back to that point where we knew the value of the black people we know the value of ourselves we know how much power we possess right we have to get back into saying looking at ourselves and say listen forget what they're trying to portray but this is this is about us right we gotta love we need to love ourselves come on Bruce I don't care about getting them to love us it's not about them loving us or how they view us it's about how we view ourselves and how we treat ourselves. And that's what we got to get back to. Because it doesn't matter if, like you mentioned earlier, we can do everything right, but they still hate us. Yeah. Right? We can see crime, the black on black crime from a from a systematic, from from a from a data standpoint, zero out. Right? Guess what they're still gonna say? Mm-hmm. They're still black crime. Y'all still ain't y'all still ain't nothing. Y'all still the N-word. Mm -hmm. Y'all still animals. Mm -hmm. yes, so again, the, the media is gonna say, oh, it, it's the black on black crime, right? Take care of your own neighborhood, then worry about everybody else. There's there's crime in every neighborhood. Every neighborhood. But it's our neighborhood that are being shown the most. Right. For a reason. Yeah, definitely agree with that. Coming up, more conversation with the panel. We'll bring it back. On the next Michael Finkley, Friday, we're excited to have Councilwoman Tamika Isaac Devine with us. She opens up about family, the pandemic, and what's next for her in politics. Don't you dare miss the next Michael Finkley show. today and so y'all if you're missing it we're having an awesome conversation and again it's affecting people that look like us and then of course ultimately the african-american male and what that looks like today um so not only are we facing racism in itself but we're also facing this pandemic that we're in which is known as COVID-19 over 70 percent 70 percent of african-americans are being affected by this virus. Guys, what do you think about that? What are your thoughts? Anybody, Jamal. So, just to be honest with you, I, you, you know, it has really, um, you know, you know, hit close to home to me because my mother has it. And uh, she's in the hospital right now, you know, I. I uh, have not seen my mother for uh, three weeks. Mm -hmm. And um, she's not really, she's really not even uh, responding right now. 
Okay, so I've been going through a lot these these last couple of weeks. Um, so things like this really keep me, you know, really keep uh, my spirits up, right? Um, so I appreciate this. Um, but people, listen, fellas, we have we have to take this thing seriously. It's real. I'm telling you, it's real. It's real. Um, you know, you know. We, uh, where I work at right now, man, we've had five clients to uh, pass within the last four weeks. Five, okay? And they follow, uh, you know, what we call the COVID uh, protocol. You know what I'm saying? But, you know, uh, but it's still caught it. We have to make sure that we are uh, um, protecting ourselves. You know what I'm saying? Listen, man, let's be smart about this thing, man, because it is real. Listen, you know, your boy was the first one said, man, he ain't gonna get me. You know what I mean? It's, listen, but I'm telling you, when when my mother caught it, my uncle caught it, uh, two, well, now three of my friends have it. You know what I'm saying? It's real, man. And you don't know how real it is um, until you affected by it, you know, when it hits your own home. You know what I'm saying? And that's why it's so, man, it, listen, man, it is so important that you be mindful of, you know, where you go, you know what I mean? And um, the people that, uh, you know, you hang around right now. You know what I'm saying? Listen, man, you you just got to be careful. That's all I can say about it right now, man, because it is real, bro. It's definitely real. So, so I'll, I'll speak on it. Um, and I'm sorry, my... Uh, some of my, my, my friends are continuously calling me for whatever reason. Uh, let's see. So you mentioned that it's affecting 70% of, of African-American when we're not even the majority within in this country, right? So I'm always wanting to think deeper. Let's go. Let's think why, all right? If we're not the majority of this country, country but 70% of African-Americans are being affected, why is that? So let's look at health disparities, mm -hmm. right? Health disparities from, you know, not having adequate care, access to adequate care, whether it's through uh, treatment facilities or whether it's through insurance, right? So that is a component as to why that number is so staggering within the African-American community, right? I think there's still this, I think there's also this notion with, with, with Black people that if we survive slavery, we'll survive anything. Mm -hmm. So we're just out here still trying to live our best lives, mm -hmm. right? Not taking it that serious. So there's a multi-level, there's, there's many levels to it. There's the, uh, the levels to where we're not taking it that serious, but there's also the level of, okay, systemically, what is going on, right? Mm -hmm. Why is there, why are we disproportionately uh, more, uh, receptive to the are receptive to this disease than our white counterparts. Why is that? All right, and I think we have to look at those factors. We have to look at the health disparities within the African American community as to why we're more receptive, susceptible to contracting this disease and being and actually it being more fatal to Black people. Right, Black people are uh, at a, at a higher uh, at a higher rate for, for developing uh, diabetes, right? Asthma, 
respiratory issues, all of those respiratory issues, we're, we're at a higher rate or higher risk of developing said uh, diseases, right? And when you look at COVID-19, there are three different, there's the categories that put you at a higher risk and those are the categories, right? So oftentimes, again, it's the, the sense of health disparities is the things that we have been conditioned to put in our bodies that makes us, that, that puts us at that higher risk level, especially when it turns as it relates to developing diabetes, right? Of course, some of the stuff is more uh, genetic, you're more genetically predisposed to it, but a lot of it is the things that we consume ourselves with the things that we're eating, right? That puts us at a higher risk of developing diabetes and things of that nature. So there's, we're, we're being, we have to be careful, right? As, 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 uh, as stated earlier, we have to take this serious. We can't be out here living all the best. And I live in Atlanta, right? And Compound just had this big indoor pool party, bro. I saw that. I saw and I'm that. looking like, I'm looking like, really? Like, is it, I know that, you know, Atlanta is this, this town or this city where, you know, it's, there's always something to do, right? It's, it's, mm -hmm. it's the city that doesn't sleep, right? Mm -hmm. And people are going crazy having to stay quarantined, right? So now that things, the government decided to open things back up, people don't know how to act. It's like, all right, COVID, COVID doesn't exist, exist, but we're seeing increasingly higher numbers now that things are open back up. Mm -hmm. This isn't fake. This is real. This isn't fake news. Mm -hmm. Like people are, people are dying <laughs> over this stuff, right? Mm -hmm. So we got to be more mindful that there's not only a pandemic from a, uh, from a, from a social standpoint, this is also a pandemic and it's continuing to exist. We're continuously being wiped off this planet, all right? From the health disparity standpoint of it and just how the fact that we being black. We gotta be more mindful of it. And I wanna add something to that as well. Um, so sorry to hear about your mom, Tug. I understand. My sister said that, bro. Who says that? as well and um and it's been it's been a trial mm -hmm. definitely been a trial um and so we see that this is a, it's affecting our community even the more but yet we have a president who said still after giving away stimulus packages open the states up open your states up i will override you if you don't so what can, as you, as you may know, what can um, even this, this administration do to even um, assist in decreasing numbers? What are your thoughts? They can't um, can be afraid I, of the um, president. <laughs> <laughs> and then what I was going to take it a little deeper, it's, it's all on us. You know, it's all on that individual. We have to know when to fight that temptation on not going to that pool party mm -hmm. or, you know, oh, I don't need to go to the mall to get these Jordans today. You know, I don't need to go to the mall. I could stay home and order it offline or something. Uh, I don't need to go out to eat today. You know, I'm going to cook in something today. So it's just all about us as a people, as a nation. We need to kind of, you know, don't have that little urge. I know we all got that cabin fever and everything. But at the same time, like the young brother said earlier, this is serious, you know. 
in the beginning you hear somebody, oh, somebody got that COVID. Oh, I'm good. We, we survived slavery. I'm black. I'm straight. I ain't know no black person that got it. But we got to lose that notion that we have to worry about ourselves because it's really knocking us off and it's knocking off our old generation as well, too. And mm-hmm. those are, you know, the wisdom. And, you know, they knocking that off. And then they locking up our young kids, you know, we're trying to, we're about to be on that brink of extinction, you know? They coming at it both ways. It's probably triple ways because it's financial as well too, handicapping us as well. So it's so many different things, but as a people, as a nation, as a culture, we need to come and stick together. And if we're going to stick to one plan on, hey, we're going to stick inside, we're going to stay inside for X amount of time, we got to do it. But, you know, we always going to have those people that still going to turn up for the one time and try to get their fun time. They living their best life and everything. But that's just a part of the nature. That's human nature. You know, we're going to have those, t- those bad people. But we got to stick together, stay strong, and stay focused, man, because it's very, very serious. And I was one of those in the beginning saying, oh, I don't really believe it too much, you know, but until it trickled down and you see the time, on Facebook and you see friends and then you see other people that's in your circle that may have gotten it and everything like man this is serious you know so definitely just got to be aware and just be mindful of what we're doing um cleaning up behind ourselves making sure that you actually truly so everything and just trying to be better situation man yeah we got to show restraint you know although it's things are opening up you know, as, as Jamal said, it's on the individual, right? He can open things up, but it's on us to actually go out, right? So we have to show restraint. Yep. We have to show that stuff. We have to be disciplined. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Definitely. What, what does the, the norm look like in the future? Will there be a new norm? Will there be a norm again? It's going to have to be a new norm. <laughs> it's going to have to be. Now, now what that is, we... You know, we don't know, um, but it's going to have to be, man, you know, going forward. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Something has to change. Right. You know, the norm is defined by the people, right? So whatever, as you know, the people say, whether it's from an individual standpoint, you define whatever your norm is. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that this this pandemic has put a lot of things in perspective for me personally. Uh, for me, you know, I'm, I'm a high achiever and I'm always going and going and going and going. Um, and, and, you know, th- this pandemic has caused me to really slow down, to really put things in perspective from just a family standpoint, right? Being, being present for, for my daughter, being present for my son, being present for my wife and actively engaging in my family um, and just finding more creative ways to utilize my time, mm-hmm. right? Uh, you know, so, so for me, I feel like this, this may become my new norm. Mm-hmm. Right, just being more here, you know, just trying to be more more in tune uh, with my family instead of just being on the go all the time, uh, but just learning to be in the here and now. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. Um, mine. Um, uh, basically, my new norm is just um, you know, uh, like like my man said, family time. Uh, like a lot of times I rip and run, but a lot of times this kind of really helped me truly sit down and, you know, chat with my wife, build that communication, see where we need to work on. Because we still have a whole bunch of time and everything. And you know, before COVID, we rarely do that. But now this actually forced us to build up that communication and everything and build up that face-to-face time. And also, uh, I do a 
you know, a few public speaking gigs, it put all of that on hold, but at the same time, it's helping me to um, basically work on my craft and give me time to start, you know, adding more tools to the tool belt, doing homework, studying, watching other people's videos, you know, watching things of this nature. So this kind of, I'm using it as a study guide to just to kind of perfect myself for the new norm. So when things do open back up, if they ever get back to quote unquote normalcy, um, I will be ready, you know, and everything on that, on the business standpoint, as a personal standpoint, and as a husband standpoint as well too. So just basically just trying to sharpen up the skills uh, and keep right, man. But I do miss going to the gym though. So I got to kind of find another extra motivation for that, but cause the do motivation- Do some push-ups, home, man, do some push-ups. Man, I've been trying, man. I lose the motivation, <laughs> man. I lose it, and I'm honestly, man. I'm like, man, I, I need to go to the gym, but I've been doing push-ups, but I can't. It don't feel like the same thing when I'm hitting them weights, man. Yeah, you but right. I you guess right. it's just it's just a mind thing, I guess. But yeah. like I said, this the new normal and everything. So just basically, just trying to make the best situations out of it, and not being a Debbie Downer, just trying to see the positive sides of what can be that I'm still here, that my family is still here, and everything. So just being grateful and everything, just saying I'm I'm still here in the number because it could be always worse, you know. So just being grateful of life and actually seeing the wonderful things that's happening, seeing my kids and everything, because I could be laid up somewhere, I could be gone, you know, on the other side, you know, so I'm just truly grateful to be here. Thank you. Last question, fellas. Words of advice and encouragement for the for our population, for the race, for anyone that's just feeling down about what's happening in the world today. Let's start with you, Avery. Uh, love is the greatest conqueror of, of, of them all. Mm. You know, we got to learn to love each other, finding our hearts to see past our individual differences. Uh, and not only that, uh, uh, allow ourselves to sit in that sense of being uncomfortable to grow, right? When you're comfortable, you can't grow. Um, so allow, your, allow yourself to sit in this sense of being uncomfortable so that they can spark conversations that will ultimately the change but we we, we got to tap at the heart you know you got to look yourself in the mirror and ask yourself you know is 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 this who you truly want to be not based off what you've been taught but but what what is it that you feel mm -hmm. uh and allow that to kind of dictate the decisions that you make love it terrence put god first man you know what i'm saying put god first man um you know um, this crisis right here, man, you know, going through, you know, uh, this COVID situation um, has really, um, you know, uh, let's say, uh, you could say, man, strengthened my faith. Um, and it's caused me to read more. Um, and that was something that I hated to do, man. Reading with, listen, man, reading books, man, was just not my forte. But I love reading books now for some reason. Um, so listen, man, read, please read. I'm telling you, you will, listen, man, you will benefit from that. Um, but listen, man, spend time with your family, okay? Spend as much time, uh, you know, with your parents, um, you know, with your loved ones, man, with your loved ones, your friends, whatever you call, you know, you know, um, whoever you deem as your loved ones, right? Spend as much time with them as possible and follow your dreams, okay? Because listen, man, tomorrow is not promised, okay? Step outside your comfort zone right now, okay? Listen, man, find your purpose, okay? 
Don't let nobody, man, tell you what you cannot do. Trust me. We all have, man, listen, man, we all had some barriers, right? But listen, man, we found ways. One last thing, man, find yourself a mentor. That's so imperative. Find yourself a mentor, man, because my, listen, man, listen, man, my mentor, man, changed my life, okay? So find yourself, you know, you know, you know, that guy, that woman, whoever, okay, um, that can lead you down um, that right path. All right? God bless you. Thank you. Yo. Man, y'all don't put the pressure on me, man. Sheesh. But but mine, honestly, um, because Mike, you kind of, you know, we've been really tight, really tight-knitted and stuff. Um, basically, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of people have been losing their jobs during the COVID-19. I actually lost my job before COVID-19. So wow. mine is kind of I'm going to tie into everybody's story already. Um, so basically staying true to God, staying close to him during that time. You know, I got a family to feed. I got a house payment to make. It got me closer to God and, you know, sharpen up that word and get really into that word and, you know, get that into my spirit. So before COVID, I've been really trying to grind and get myself, you know, back right with God, back in right favor and everything. So I already knew how to work and operate without having the income coming in and, you know, using my gift to make room for myself, you know. And at the same time with that, you got to have that love as well, too. Um, I couldn't go around and start hating the world because I had gotten to a bad situation, you know. So those people that may have lost the job, jobs are a dime a dozen. You know, that job, you lost that job, guess what? That job lost you. You know, you are the person that's going to make that job better. You know, look at it as they lost a good thing. So I had to learn that as well, too. I'm like, man, I bust my butt for this job, and they, you know, them put me out. And I was having hatred and everything, but God told God said he was going to make it work for me, you know? And from that day on, I didn't miss no payment. I didn't miss no car payment. I didn't miss nothing. He had my back. So with that being said, that love, being close to God, being true, and it's just, uh, I always love to say, I'm loved, I'm valuable, but I'm precious. Sometimes we have to say that to ourselves, stand in the mirror and say it to yourself. For those people that's looking at maybe down right now, you are loved because people are here. You're watching this video, people pouring into you right now. You are valuable because you're here on this earth. You're watching this video. You know, that's another thing. And you are precious because your life is truly a precious diamond. You only have one life. You can't get no other body else life, you know? So that's my closing remarks. I'm loved, I'm valuable, and I'm precious. Stay close to God, and everything will be okay. Each of you, each of you, unique. Each of you have said some awesome things. Each of you have encouraged and inspired me in the frame. I thank you for being on. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and sharing your love with everyone. Thank you. I appreciate you. Thank you.